0: Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. This is going to be a rather quick episode this week. My uh, my son is currently sleeping, but he is not feeling well at all. And that is priority one by a billion. So while he gets a much-needed rest, I have a couple minutes here. I did want to jump on. I wanted to give you my list for the top ten tight ends in the National Football League, and I do want to talk a little bit about the Live Golf PGA Tour, you know, not really Live Golf, but the PIF PGA Tour merger, Um, really go on forever about that, but uh, let's just get into it, like I said, we don't have a lot of time, so we're going to do the top 10 tight ends in the National Football League. Uh, Let's go back to last year. Let's figure out, again, like I said, I I don't look. I don't want to have any bias. I'm not putting any rookies, by the way, like Michael Maher, Dalton Kincaid. These guys aren't going to be on the list, even if I think they potentially could be top tight ends, which I do. I don't include them. So uh, let's see here. Our top 10 tight ends. Last year going into the season, I went with 10 being Friermuth, 9th being Dalton Schultz, 8th being Mike Isecki, Seventh being TJ Hawkinson. Sixth being Darren Waller. Fifth being Dallas Goddard. Fourth being Kyle Pitts. Third being Mark Andrews. Second being George Kittle. And the top tight end being Travis Kelsey. I see that and I go, wow. We are going to have a good list here because that position kind of a stand. like it, it, It's held serve here. Um. So let's look. I know I was going to do offense alignment as well. I don't want to do that. I thought about it more and more. Like I said, we had that live brainstorming session last week. Tight ends this week. We'll do wide receivers next week. We will do offensive line. Because I I don't want to just... I used to do top five. I'm going to do a really good, in-depth offensive line. Because again, it's the most important thing for the Eagles. We talk about it every year. About how it's an advantage the Eagles have in the NFL. Is their offensive line. And it feels like we blow over it in these lists. So we're going to go really into the offense line we're gonna find our way to get through the lists again we have training camp Could still do some if we have to and during the beginning of training camp it's not like much is happening there but um because you're not really able to witness what's going on until preseason games actually start but um let's go into the top 10 tight ends now we do have a a new name here by the way the other names after 10 the other nine guys were on the list last year which is pretty damn incredible also goes to show you the, the state of the tight ends. But again, like I said, next year, I envision this is going to be a little bit different because I think we're going to have some newcomers. Now, 10th, I have David Njoku from the Browns. Njoku had a really good season. Um, definitely elevated his play. I mean, you could have put Evan Ingram here. Had, there were a couple guys if you wanted to argue them in. But I went with David Njoku. 9, Dalton Schultz. Now, he's no longer a Cowboy. He's with the Houston Texans. So, that's a big uh, move for him. You know, go from Dak Prescott and... and He's going to have a rookie quarterback this season, but I think Dalton Schultz, I've always liked him. He battled injuries last year, but I think he's a really good player. Um, Eighth is a tight end that has entered the NFC East, Darren Waller. Now, Waller obviously has a lot of talent blocking eh, so much, but he's an exceptional receiving tight end. He's definitely there to help the Giants, and he's going to help the Giants. Uh, Seven, I went with Pat Fryermuth from the Steelers, all around tight end. He's a really good blocker, I think, an underrated receiver. And now with Kenny Pickett going into year two, I expect Friar Mute to take a big jump. Sixth, I went with Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle Pitts had a very disappointing second season. His quarterback play wasn't the best. Ironically, we have his backup quarterback in Philadelphia, or his current quarterback last year is our backup in Philadelphia this year, Marcus Mariota. But that team was in shambles. Um feels like Pitts didn't really have a chance uh, last year. He had 1,000 yards as a rookie. I think this will be a bigger year for Kyle Pitts. I didn't envision he's going to have a bounce back here. Plus, he got hurt. So, Fifth, I went with T.J. Hawkinson from the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Lions traded Hawkinson to the Vikings middle of the season, and now the Lions are like the darling of the NFL. It's crazy. I think they'd probably like to have a guy like T.J. Hawkinson still on their roster, but uh, he's with the Minnesota Vikings, and... He was really good for the Vikings last year. He served as another complimentary uh, receiving option to Justin Jefferson. Definitely helped them over the middle of the field, and Cousins liked him a lot. Fourth, I went with Mark Andrews from Baltimore. This guy's numbers have been a little bit deflated because Lamar Jackson's been hurt the last two years. That's a big deal. Um, I know Tyler Huntley and him had a good repertoire, and they, they had some moments, but when you're starting quarterbacks out, it affects your receivers' numbers. That's just how it is. You know what I mean? It's a team game. And I don't think Andrews has fallen off, but I have him fourth because I think the guy who went to third has taken a big step, and that's Dallas Goddard. I mean, Goddard, in my opinion, like I said, he's got best tight end in the league potential and great blocker. He was exceptional in the playoffs for the Eagles, especially in the Super Bowl. The catches he made, the catches against, like, it was on another level, especially that game he played. The game he played in the Super Bowl is like the best game I've ever seen him play. He made contested after contested catches. Dallas Goddard is so good. His problem is just staying healthy. If he stays healthy, he's going over a thousand yards. I have a big spoiler for everybody. That, to me, is the bet of bets. Two, I went with George Kittle from San Francisco. I mean, clearly, if you watch the 49ers when they got hot last year, the catalyst of that offense behind Christian McCaffrey was definitely George Kittle, and he is an exceptional blocker, but number one, um, he was a major part of how the Chiefs beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's still the number one tight end in the league, it's not particularly close right now, Uh, he is just an exceptional receiving tight end, Um, underrated blocker, but he is the cream of the crop still, but you know, it's pretty cool to see a list that had nine guys on it last year stay the same. I mean, but I, like I said, I think we're going to get some turnover going into next season. Um, now, man, we went right through that list pretty quick. So I will have a couple minutes here. Like I said, it's not going to be a long episode. I mean, we could, t- we, you know, how about this? We'll start with the NBA Finals. Like I said, we've been talking about those last couple weeks. Nuggets are up two to one um, over Miami. Nikola Jokic is just playing on another level. Jamal Murray. I mean, Jimmy Butler, it looks like, hasn't really hit it yet in this final, so I'm not ruling anything out. But hey, good for Miami. Good on them. Good on the Miami Heat. I mean, Eric Spoelstra doesn't get talked about enough in basketball. He he is, in my opinion, I think he is the best coach. Um, You know, Pat Riley gets a lot of credit, but it's like, you look at their roster, and it's like, he finds diamonds in the rough. I give him that fully, like, you know, Vincent and Struess and, you know, Robinson and go through the list. They got Caleb Martin. Um, But at the same time, it's like Spolstra gets the most out of these guys. Like he is such a great basketball coach. Um, It sucks for them. Tyler Hero hasn't played yet. You hope he's able to come back and contribute a little bit because, you know, Miami is, when you look back at this run, especially since they signed Jimmy Butler Like They've been close. They played in the Finals in the bubble. They were a foot away from the Finals last year. Here they are in the Finals this year. uh, And you look at their roster and you just go, how? How? How are they this good? And it's I think Eric Spolster doesn't get enough credit. He, to me, might be the premier coach in the entire NBA. I really mean that. I truthfully mean that. I think he deserves his flowers. I mean, this guy is exceptional. Now, We'll be talking more about the finals next week. We'll probably have a winner by the time we're talking next week. But uh, let's, before we actually get into the live golf thing, let's talk a little bit about the Eagles in this respect, though. DeAndre Hopkins is still out there. His name was mentioned in Nick Sirianni this week. Here is, like I said, my big thing with the Hopkins thing. We, we touched on it last week. We're going to touch on it again. I keep saying to this we, Do we, the Eagles, need him currently? Of course not. No. They don't need him. They they are more than qualified to play You know the wide receiver position with the guys they got right now. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I got a big spoiler. When we do the wide receivers next week, they're going to be in the top 10. Um, Dallas got it. We just talked about him. He's the third best tight end in the NFL. You know, Olamide Zaccheaus and, and Quez Watkins. I mean, I know Quez had a down year. Doesn't mean Quez can't turn it around. You know what I mean? I, I think we too often put people into... Pointing our finger and go, that's what they are, and now I give these guys. He's a very young guy. I mean, like he has the ability to improve. And Zacchaeus was, you know, a very solid player for the Falcons. But again, if AJ Brown or Devontae get hurt, we're in a heap of trouble, heap of trouble. So that's why I'm not opposed to bringing in a guy, bringing in a guy like Hopkins, because it's insurance. Yes, it's going to be pricey. But it's insurance, nonetheless, for a team that you think could win the Super Bowl next season, and that's what the Eagles believe they are. Now, does Hopkins come in and cause issues? For again, I don't know this stuff. That's where these talks have to happen. You know what I mean? You have to. This stuff gets weeded out. And if you don't feel it's comfortable, then you move. You don't make the move. But to me, it's like definitely the Eagles should be looking. It's what I guarantee you they have. They're not fools either. Howie knows how close they are. A guy like this is on the market you'd be a fool to not look into it. Finally, like I said, let's wrap it up. Let's let's get into um let's get into the live golf PGA Tour news this week, right? Here's my whole perspective <laughs> with with this whole thing. First and foremost, I mean, it's so much money for golf. And I am not a guy who's going to sit here and tell you that I don't, anybody can earn it. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like you have the opportunity if you get good enough at golf to earn this money. I get that. I understand it, but it's like we're playing with like monopoly money now. And I understand Tiger brought all this money in. he, he is the needle. You know what I mean? Like, he is the absolute needle of golf. Golf is what it is because Tiger Woods. He's the last athlete that I think we're going to be able to firmly say was bigger than his sport, because he was. He was bigger than golf. But, I mean, I look at it now, and it's just like, what are we going to be giving out for the U.S. Open? Ten million. Like, And again, hey, but the, the reason I say this, it's like, I don't care. If you want to give $10 million to the winner of the U.S. Open, please, by all means, do that. You want to do that for every U.S. like the women's, uh, the senior. Please, please do. I just look at it and I go, man, I just hate the way. And I know this is gonna be a little off, and people probably don't want it. It's not political. I don't mean that in that way, but I just hate how, on one specter of the world, people struggle so much, unfortunately. And it's like I think about people that are hungry, that are like I think about children that like go to school, for and I and I just think about. All this money that we throw into sports. Like, look at the contracts these guys get. I mean, it's it's on another level. And I get it. I'm not sitting here saying that they shouldn't accept it. What are you, nuts? If somebody offered you $250 million, you're going to take it. You know what I mean? You have a job right now. If somebody offers you triple your money. Like, I understand that. That's why we work, for money. You know what I mean? Everybody, the world revolves around money, unfortunately. But it, to me, it's like, man, there's just so much. And I just wish that we could allocate that out so people didn't have to go with such less. You know what I mean? I it it. But th- that's not what people want to listen to. Obviously, that's a political thing, and I'm not trying to get political or anything like that. My thing with the the golf thing here. So they make this merger, uh, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, which is the European Tour, and. Live Golf are merging, right? But it's not Live Golf. It's the PIF. It's the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia. When that Public Investment Fund got involved in golf, when they, you know, funded Live Golf, their plan was, we're going to get the best players and we're going to make them come here and we're going to give them too much money that they can't say no. And they didn't get the best players, but they got a lot of them. You know, Brooks Koepka just won the PGA Championship. He's a Live Golfer. Their whole point being is, they were never a threat to the PGA Tour. Let's just get that out there. Live Golf was no threat to the PGA Tour. They were a zero threat. They were on the CW. They were. They had a playoff a couple of weeks ago, and they were pre- or taken off the air for a rerun of a television show. Rating. I mean, it's, it's crazy how bad their ratings were. I don't know why. Again, you would think it wouldn't be, but it's just I don't like their format. I think 48 guys, no cut. 54 holes, everybody's on a different hole, it's a shotgun start. It's like, it's too not, like, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like there's no drama to it. I, I, know, I know the whole point of everybody playing the, on, uh, on the course at the same time, so the conditions you're playing in are the same or generally you're trying to keep it as fair as possible. I understand that concept. I, I'm not sitting here saying things shouldn't be tried. They tried it, that to me just doesn't work. They have a team concept it didn't work because, again, it's it's 48 guys and uh, whatever. But there were no threats at the PGA Tour. But what they were going to continue to do over there is the public investment fund has $650 billion. They were just going to keep paying players. They were going to take the best players from the PGA Tour. They were going to keep offering them absurd amounts of money to the point where they can't say no. And, yes, yeah, some would, sure, but they were going to keep pl- or pulling players off. Like There was a guy this week, a report that came out there that said, they were gonna take another guy from the PGA Tour, um, a guy who was recently number one, a multiple major champion. You know, obviously, whoever this guy was describing, he was pretty much he was recently number one in the world. He was describing John Rahm. You know, he's the only guy who fits all those cat, uh, criteria. I nobody knows if that's true or not. I heard for weeks they were like last year they were gonna get Cantley, they were gonna get Morikawa, they were gonna get Matsuyama, and none of those guys left. So you know, you hear this, and take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, they offered Tiger $800 million. By the way, that's a fake thing. I just want to get everybody out here. Tiger never entered in negotiation. Let me give you a heads up. If Tiger had said to them, give me $10 billion, you want to know what they would have done? They would have given Tiger $10 billion because guess what? He's the needle. And if Tiger Woods is playing in your event, you're not on the CW and you're not getting preempted for a rerun of, uh, mad men, or whatever the heck they put on over it. You know what I mean? Like, That's the move. And if you're willing to just burn money on everybody else, you're going to burn it all on Tiger Woods. So when you hear $800 million, throw that number out. He never entered a negotiation. If he flat out came to them and said, give me $10 billion and you got me, they would have given him $10 billion. I I guarantee it. But the PGA Tour knew that they were just going to keep throwing money. They weren't going to go away. They were going to flood this thing out and This deal was made. Now, do I think this deal was made because they thought they were going to flood them out? Not really. I think they made it because this thing was into um, a trial, essentially, was going on with the PGA Tour. There was litigation and all this stuff. And I don't know what was going to come out on the PGA Tour, but I think they were worried about it. They made this deal. makes litigation go away. They merge. Now, are the tours the same? No. Um, Can the Live Tour players, I guess they could uh, apply to be on the PGA Tour next year? Sure. But I guess Live Golf is still going to be its own entity, PGA is going to be its own entity, and then they're going to be all under one umbrella. Kind of like what WWE just did with UFC. They're under a new umbrella, but they still are the WWE and the UFC. That's kind of what's happening here. It's a merger again. Like, you know what I mean? That's the new thing. But I mean, it sucks for golf. I do. I mean, I get it. I, I, it's, golf has a stigma as, you know, the rich person's game. And it's so pricey, it's BS how pricey they make golf Like to, to be a member at a, at a country club. And you hear that and you think, oh, Ritzy, it's, it's it's not what it should be. You know what I mean? Like People like to golf, they want to get better at it. Um, it's just, I hate how pricey it is. I think it's bull. Um, and now you're going to see this on top where it's like, yeah, you win the, the freaking John Deere Classic, you're going to get $10 million. It's like, come on, enough's enough. But that's going to be the story to watch here, and you watch the prize purses go crazy because here's what's going to happen. They're going to be the primary investor, the uh, public investment fund, and they have the first say on who could help invest with them, which means nobody. They're they are going to be the controllers. The, you know what I mean? They have the money. They run the show. It's a very just topsy-turvy, wild uh, time now in the world of golf. and You know, the one thing I tell you is this when you see the public investment fund can they do this with other sports you know can they just offer players in other sports absurd amounts of money not worry about tv ratings or ticket sales and just hope that they put these leagues in a position to make similar deals so they can get ownership in other major league sport or major sports leagues like they're doing it with soccer but like let's say patrick mahomes became available can they just give him a 20 billion dollar a year contract to come play in their fake football league that they can make up and whatever and not care about what it looks like until the nfl goes okay hey We need to just do business with these guys. They're taking our best players. Like, I guess, to an extent, but at the same time, I don't know how much that would work. Um, If they want to buy a team, like I saw that floated out there this week, Um, yeah, they could buy a team, sure, but I mean, I don't know what that would mean. It's not like they can spend absurd amounts of money on free agents or anything. There's a salary cap. They could build and create a stadium if they want or something like that, sure, but... Hey, they got monopoly money right over there, and they're not afraid to throw it, and they're using it on sports. So, money talks. I know people are mad, but it's just it is what it is. And I, like I said, I mean it's 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 not ideal, and you got to hope that. Again, I really hope they don't have any part in doing these things in the NFL because or other sports because it's just not what you want to obviously like i i know their goal is to reform their image in the world and hey if you want to reform your please do but it's like that doesn't just because you pay lionel messi 500 million dollars and you're treating him well makes everybody forget what's happened in the past and again it's political but that's where this one all kind of lands on that's it next week though we'll be back We'll talk wide receivers. We're going to talk a lot more news in terms of things going around in the world in the sports. But uh, we'll get more into the Eagles here because there are some news coming out of OTAs. By the way, just a heads up, my boy Christian Ellis is absolutely destroying OTAs. And I know that doesn't really mean much, but I keep telling people that's the guy. Remember, if he starts, remember who told everybody first. It was me. Nobody else. Don't let these fools tell you anything else. It was me. I said Christian Ellis, and I'm so happy. It's making me so happy to hear he is excelling in training camp, or in training camp, in the off-season training activity here. But I want everybody out there to stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated, and as always, go Eagles, go.